When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Grind. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grind. My name is Roddy Reynolds. It is our first installment for 2023. And today I'm joined by current ATP player and touring professional Christian Harrison from the United States. Christian is currently ranked 346 in singles on the tour and 176 in the paired format. He's made an ATP semi at Delray Beach and qualified for Wimbledon and made it through to the second round in 2022. Christian, welcome to the show. It's nice to see you. How are things? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, happy to just be playing. So got no complaints and uh, looking forward to the chat. Fantastic. So if anyone who's listening is not aware of, uh, I guess, your history and your journey, how would you describe your tennis career so far and the journey that you've been on? Oh, just up and down, like a lot of uh, life lessons and a lot of perseverance. Um, obviously, there's worse things in life than being, being injured that you could be dealt. But I feel like from a tennis standpoint, missing time, um, obviously I've had, had a tough go with it, you know, haven't really even gotten to play like a full season on tour. I think, you know, like more than six, seven, eight months has been the longest like stretch in a row, which is obviously tough, but it's also, um, you know, I love what I'm doing. Otherwise I still wouldn't be trying to do it. Um, definitely have had opportunities to do other things in life, but I honestly completely love, love, uh, everything that tennis has given me. And, uh, Feel like um, just always looking for ways to get better, get healthier. That's kind of my path right now, and um, definitely loving, loving. Just like I said, every everything that we're we're um, doing now. Yeah, fantastic. And that love that you're speaking about for tennis, I'm guessing that started at a really early age. Uh, it seems like you've got a pretty tennis mad family. I do. Yeah. So my dad played, um, and then he ran a club. He did. He he played in college. Was a good college player, but. Um, you know, wasn't going to make a career out of it. And then once he had a family, um, you know, we were, we, my brother and I just grew up around it. My little sister plays. Um, and then most kids just want to do exactly what their dad's doing when they're younger. Um, so then that's my brother and I, we just would in particular be at work with him all the time and just want to stay around him. And um, that was kind of where my love for tennis first started. And then as you start playing tennis and you, you know, you have older brothers and you're around a lot of the guys all the time. You get competitive, and then from there, you just start loving the competition as as you grow up with it. And you know that was just kind of like my introduction to the sport, and I've just obviously loved it ever since. And all of my closest friends are involved in it. One of my buddies that I don't get to see that often. He's the tournament director of the tournament here this week. Um, I always feel like it's just given me, uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of opportunities, a lot of friendships, and a lot of appreciation. And uh, pretty much just growing up around tennis, it's just yeah, it's what my life's been built around. So growing up with uh, your brother, Ryan, were you mm. always aspiring to, to be like him? Because he's, he's slightly older, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, there must have been a bit of a rivalry going on as, as, as kids trying to emulate one another. Of course. I mean, like, like, I mean, I think anybody that's like close with their family, like, I think I was lucky that I have like great parents that taught us a lot of lessons. And, um, you know, there's, I would say a rivalry, but you also look up to one another, you know, a lot. I think, and that's vice versa that, you know, the, growing up, there was things about him and my dad that they, I just always wanted to 
you know, just be exactly like how they were, you know, I would always like learn a lot from them, but also it's just, it's, it's family and, you know, you just completely want the best, best for one another. So, um, that part of, of, of things in life, I feel like we were, we were very lucky just to kind of have like that expectations or pressure or just even just from like tournament standpoint, traveling, trying to achieve certain things that sometimes get recognized in in the public eye that I guess that part of things we, we, we always loved and it would always motivate each other. But then, you know, we've always been there for each other too. When you're playing as a junior, what was your junior career like? And how did you go with the transition from junior to senior? I know in 2012, you had a pretty great result at the US Open doubles. And that must have been about that yeah. time you're thinking what comes next. Yeah, well, 100%. So like mine, uh, whenever, I, you know, from the time my my tennis, I just try to keep it short, was like until I was 14 and a half, I had always had like no injuries, was playing. And then just from there in tennis, like you have the rankings, you know, as most people know, like all these companies, sponsors, they can tell who's the number one 12-year-old, 13, 14-year-old in the world. Um, and at that time, I was always the highest ranked one from from my age. So then at that point, had a lot of opportunities and some like things that sponsors were coming our way, getting signed with IMG to where, you know, you, you knew you had an opportunity to make a career out of it. Well, mine, my career kind of got put on hold for a little bit because when I was 15, I had a bone infection. I don't know how I got it. I just could have been born with it. That's obviously not a tennis related thing. And it wasn't like to diagnose it. It wasn't smooth. So that took a period of like six months to even figure out exactly what was going on. So that was when I first had to stop with tennis. And then once we figured out the whole treatment process for it um, was another thing. So then that knocked me off for, you know, a, a, a bit of a bit of time there. So then when I started back, those were the years, you know, when you're 15, 16, that you kind of start playing juniors and you're looking to have the junior slams and all that. I kind of missed that time. And then when I started back again, I guess there were some futures. I was I didn't know what to do, whether it was try to go start fresh and play juniors at 16 and a half, 17 or just start playing futures again a little earlier. So then that was kind of what I was doing. I would play a couple of tournaments here and there, but I wasn't like completely healthy. Even when I was 17, I was still missing time. So I guess my transition, like I didn't really play enough in juniors to go straight from like having like good junior slam results or anything. Yeah. Um, just cause I, I'd missed that time. So then mine just when I was 15, pretty much when I had that surgery, it just became like when I started again, just, having to work on playing futures and then I guess that transition it was just different like you know obviously looking to you you feel like you're playing well and you might lose first round that tournament and then having to like suck that up and you know learn from it and then like be on the road Th those part of things are, are different than as opposed to when you're in juniors where you know you're probably gonna like make the quarters or semis of every tournament and you're getting there, you're playing matches so it's just like a complete mindset that just shifts um some people struggle with it but i think the most important is if you have like obviously some players are just lucky to have a good team good support system around them i think that makes a big difference why some players are able to break through a lot quicker than others absolutely one of the hard parts about that must be that you're dealing with an injury as a as a kid effectively coming through mm -hmm. and then you're playing mm -hmm. against fully grown men who have been doing this for years and you've got to try and navigate mm -hmm. this injury and 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 i guess the mental aspect of being prepared to lose well, not prepared to lose, but accepting that you will lose perhaps on occasion earlier than you otherwise might at junior events. That's a hell of a hell of a thing to yeah. go through. Oh, hundred percent. And then yeah, it's like sometimes too the difference is like even when you're like different tournaments, like it's not always easy to get practice courts. You're in random spots. Like that part that part of it's like very, very tricky, I guess, when you're on the road. But 
Like, I think obviously the most important that I think a lot of guys can say is, you know, how do you manage like the few days that you have in between tournaments or when you're on the road that um, that make a make a big difference, you know. With that spare time that you're talking about, I mean, is that is that something you find quite challenging? I, I imagine now you must have uh, a good routine. But did you find that challenging initially trying to figure out, you know, if you go out of a tournament on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and you don't have to be somewhere till the Sunday? What happens in the interim? How do you make sure you're best taking care of yourself? Is that something that you, you struggle oh, with, that absolutely. professionalism? Oh, yeah, 100%, especially because it's like you want to stay fresh, but then you also don't want to like undertrain too, which can sometimes happen because you're always taught like, oh, like start the tournament fresh, you know, but so then sometimes there's like a balance. Like, okay, how fresh do I need to be every week? Do I need to just sometimes like on those off days practice a little more and just keep trying to improve myself as an overall player and accepting that, I might lose a couple of tournaments here and there going into it tired, but at least I'm like, you know, progressing as a player and preparing or training, you know, there's always a balance that I guess that you got to try to like look and understand that some people just figure it out and are better at it than others. Naturally for me, like that's always been the most important thing is then it's like sometimes you're playing tournaments, but you know, you're not necessarily fresh or feeling all right. So then you got to figure out how, how to like, like where, where that balance is and, especially when you miss time or you're coming off like long layoffs, it's impossible to always, to always know because your body's constantly having to like readapt to like the new stress of playing the stress of tournaments. And that for me, was always like the most challenging just because like I said, when you have long layoffs, like I feel like you're prepared mentally for it, but then your body is like never really prepared to like start again. You know, that's kind of what I'm experiencing. I think now, you know, I missed since Wimbledon, I had a foot injury. I had to pull out there. And then now it's just starting to get in these last few tournaments, like go in training really well and all like the, the leading up to it where I feel like I'm training every day, like what I need, but then just match stress and match intensity. You play like two matches and all of a sudden it feels like you've, you've just played like seven or eight matches like previously. Like, and it's just, it's just like, that's always been the hardest thing for me to get used to when I start again off long layoffs. That actually uh, raises one question I wanted to ask is because you've got a mm -hmm. solid ranking at singles and doubles. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're trying to progress both of those, but some players uh, who I'm sure you would come across at, at that level mm -hmm. only do one or the other, whereas you've got both. How do you then manage mm -hmm. the scheduling and, and the fact that you need to stay fresh and have your body looked after when you've got the ability to play yeah. the, full, the full court and the half court game? Well, that, yeah, it's honestly something that's new for me. Like in my mind, I know I've missed a lot of seagulls. So then I'm at the point where I want to at least focus and get my doubles ranking even higher than, than it is. Cause I, I really, I don't have that many t tournaments on my doubles record. Um, but that's something that I want to put more of an emphasis on now. And so then my thing was, was going into this year, if sometimes I feel like I'm not okay to play a singles event that, Maybe I'll just have like some doubles events here and there um, just to get make sure that I'm just one. I just need to feel like I'm playing more tournaments, feeling like, you know, more that you're in that the lifestyle, the routine, because that's like obviously like important to always stay engaged. Um, that's something that I'm going to have to just figure out and kind of work with this year. Sometimes it just changes based on just how your results are, you know, like uh, for me, I don't know like how I'm going to do in these tournaments coming up, but as long as I'm feeling good then i'm gonna keep playing so that's actually something we've seen with a few of the aussies recently is that uh it happened last year and it happened this year at the australian open these singles players have had good doubles results which puts them in a i guess in a in a status where they can access more tournaments mm -hmm. on their doubles ranking that they might not be able to access 
with their singles oh, ranking the singles. And, and that creates yeah. a, a disparity with their scheduling. Max Purcell was one that went through it uh, recently, but it sounds like that might not be the worst problem for you to have if it was to get to that point. Not at all. I mean, for me, I just want like at this point, it's you want to be one where you're most like the most financially stable where you're like in, in the bigger tournaments because those are the ones that keep you motivated to, to really play. Like obviously sometimes it's not always easy even, you know, you don't want to like be complaining about like certain places, you know, you're in because obviously sometimes the challengers are in different spots, but the things I think that get people through those tournaments of wanting to grind out those weeks is, you know, knowing that then being in the nicer tournaments is obviously what you're going for. And when you have like a little taste of that, that's what you want. And I think that compares to, you know, like Max and some of those guys that are very successful in the doubles court that it puts a little bit tough, but obviously I guess you get the option of choosing, you know, that you can still choose to like not play the bigger events, but obviously like even if you're there for doubles, the prize money being there for those weeks, the way that you're taking care of is a lot better. So then I think in return, you know, it, it makes it, it makes it worth it. So obviously for me, um, I would definitely, you know, take something like that if I were to have those opportunities for sure. Referring to that, if you could sort of elaborate a little bit, if you're if you're in an ordinary week as a challenger level player, and then your ordinary mm. week as a tour player, what's for those of us that don't get to experience that personally, what is that difference mm. like? Where I mean at the ATP level, we expect that you would have certain luxuries that you might not have at the challenger level and so on. Yeah, for sure. Well one, it's like you know, you're, you're going to get transport, like taken care of, like easy, which makes it simple to get around. Like, you know, if you're at challengers, you're like, okay, like but I organize transport cars, so I have to rent a car or I have to grind for this. Like uh, that, that stuff's not always there. The ATPs are normally, they're always going to have better food. That's just there for you. Like here, it's like, okay, like you're in a random spot. So like the terms are having to find like a random food truck. The breakfast isn't always like there, there might not be that much other than just like a hotel breakfast, like the ATPs, like, they're just not held in, in spots where, where, where things like that, that, you know, you, you don't really like worry as much about that. And it sounds like silly to kind of complain about that. But when you, when you don't really have like access to stuff like that, it's just, it's just different, especially when you're doing that, you know, 20 weeks out of the year. And on top of that, you're dealing with the stress of competing. And then it, it of course makes it easier when you're at least in a nicer, a nicer spot, you know, and that's when ATPs have and, there's obviously more people that come out to it. So then you feel, um, you know, when people are watching and you're playing for better crowds like that, obviously it's just a different, uh, you know, energy wise, the motivation I feel like is sometimes a lot easier to have as opposed to like challenges. You you really have to be hungry and absolutely love it, especially to get through these because most of the motivation at this level and the challengers like, like guys are very self-motivated right now. And, that's kind of what it what it what it takes, I think, to to get through a lot of these tournaments. Hundred percent, and part of it sort of seems that the uh, it's like that old adage: the um the better off you are, the more you get given for free, and it's a bit like that on the ATP tour, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even between the challengers and the ATPs, it's like such like a big gap. Like it's it, in lifestyle, I think payment money wise, like financially, like it's like not even crazy once you start comparing those those events, and then uh, so then I think it's almost like any way you can get to the tour level now that's what guys will will kind of accept you go down the a rung as well to the itf like the 25ks or something it, it's a whole nother world mm -hmm. isn't it absolutely and it's yeah and it's all one tour but it's just yeah the way that i that's i think that's just why tennis is so tough and it takes like a lot of uh discipline especially to, to, to grind out these tournaments i mean all the travel being away um just trying to manage all aspects of life 
I, I think it's it's tougher than than any other sport. But um, obviously, we 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 choose to keep doing it, so it's not something that. I think that you can really complain about or like I would feel right to completely complain about because it's like I said, it's it, we can all any player can stop if they want. But more than anything, we it doesn't mean that players themselves still can't try to like, you know, figure out how to better manage and organize all the tournaments to get, uh, you know, better, better preparations or better situations for the, the players that are going to be coming along in the future for sure. If you could change something, what would you change? Well, uh, one specific thing. I don't know. I mean, obviously like, like most, most things it's going to be prize money because that's what people yeah. want. I would just say that how top heavy everything is. Like, even if it's like you look at an event, like, I mean, the difference between like the finalists and the winner is like almost double it. Like that to me is just very stupid. Um, it shouldn't be that way. And the semi, like the, the, the top three of each event, like are, the, despite everything just it that that to me is just like way way too much despite if they increase the overall number of percentage prize money if that goes up i just think that the 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 payouts for how top heavy it is for the winners and finalists and semis of each event is like still seems like crazy high and, and i honestly was only in del rey like where i looked at it last week when i was even realizing that because to be honest i don't even really look at the prize money payouts from challenger just because you know that it's not going to be great so i'm just like i don't really stress myself with that like in looking to complain because i feel like i'm just like i don't look at the payments of the challenger prize money to be honest with you until like i was looking in del rey just last week and i was oh wow it's like still a massive gap and that was just the first thing that came to my mind so yeah i guess it would have to be that yeah absolutely i mean it's something that the grand slams have clearly tried to improve a little bit is to create almost a stronger foundation of players that can can earn a living but Obviously, what the Grand yeah. Slams are able to to do as as against what a, a standard two hundred and fifty or five hundred is able to do is exactly is a whole other world. And it's just and the the other thing is just like crazy is that you have like the ITF that runs the Slams and like the ATPs that are different that runs the tour events like that doesn't even make sense like in my mind at all that it's all like technically one tour but you have these different people that are always like button heads maybe fighting for power I, I don't know but that doesn't that in itself and then you have the itfs run the futures and then the atps are the challengers and the tour events and all that sort of stuff it's like so complicated that i'm like how did that ever even get organized well yeah and, and perhaps perhaps it never did because you've got as you say seven governing bodies you've got the four slams each each of their own atp wta itf yeah. it's, it's impossible to keep up actually um that raises an interesting point the ptpa do you, do you see any hope for that uh, being able to help with as like a players union being able to help? Of course. I think any, like the PTBA, like it's, I mean, I think that it's obviously very complicated to get stuff going and get things changed because obviously there's so many different ways, but something like that for the players can only help. I don't think it's going to be anything that can cause harm by any means. And like one of my, my buddies, Vasek, he's a good, good friend that I know he's doing a lot for it and, He's very smart, very passionate about it. So I would definitely um, support him 100%. I think that they, they've already, there's already been some changes that were made. They obviously like increased challenger prize money this year. I don't think it's a coincidence in like all the years it's been going on that then the PTPA happens. To me, that doesn't, yep. that's not a coincidence at all. I feel like now, like when you're at tournaments, there's like, especially this year, you know, there's, a lot more going on that's involved about the tours, like making sure that things are taken care of for the players. It's hard to give exact specific details, but it's just even something simple. Like I said, even like the food and all this sort of stuff that 
might not have happened in the past that they're making sure that that, and I think that's, is like a pressure from the PTPA, like, but there is other stuff that happens like last, you know, like I'm in the first week of the year, I'm in Spain, you lose in qualies and then all like, but I have my hotel booked. And then all of a sudden I, the tournament's like, no, you're actually, we're kicking you out of the room since you lost. And I'm like, I booked the room for the whole week. Like, yeah, but you lost. So like, uh, we need that room for other players. I'm like, we're here for like four, like four tournaments in a row. Like where else am I going to go? And then luckily we're able to find another hotel, but just stuff like that, that like happens. And wow. that that's just on, on tours and to, that normally in the past you would never have like in each individual player would never even have anybody who to complain to without just complaining just for the sake of it. But now that obviously you have even like an organization like PTPA or things or when now when you complain or you, you, you raise that concern to a tour manager, I think that they're much more involved about getting it taken care of now because then that actually happened to a few players It happened to me two weeks in a row where you've just woken up and getting gotten kicked out of your room. And it's like, who's organizing that? Like everybody knows that players that when you go play a tournament that you're normally playing more than one, especially if you're traveling overseas or vice versa. So then to have even something like that, that's even like a possibility to happen when you book the room through the, like it, it all has to be done through the tournaments and then players are getting kicked out of their rooms and like just stuff like that, 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 that happens that I think that now it's, things are getting taken care of a lot, lot better to where it's not like a, you know, happening multiple, multiple weeks in a row that, and I, and I think that that does, those things are getting taken care of just from things like the PTPA existing. Speaking of one of those governing bodies on the tennis tour, one of which would be the All England Club. And you had a hell of a week mm-hmm. last year. Do you want to take us inside that mm-hmm. week? I mean, you've obviously traveled over to, to London. You've had the, the qualifying experience at Roehampton, mm-hmm. which is a gorgeous yep. tennis club in and of itself. And then you've, and then you've stepped out onto yep. the, the hallowed turf. Take us through that. Well, yeah, I was happy that because Wimbledon's always been the most prestigious tournament. So the two times I played it, got to make it through qualifying. And it's just like those are the moments that obviously like you kind of like live and play for. The last time I was there, I was that was kind of when my my foot problem had started, and then uh, so I was trying to get through qualities, and luckily was able to make it through. But it played a lot of matches, and then you know once you make it through main draw from, you know, Roehampton's obviously super nice, but then being at the All England Club Wimbledon where they play the main draw, which is a different facility, and you actually have access to get through the grounds because even for players in qualifying, it's not easy to even get access to like the where the main draw is held. And then you feel like you've made it a lot more. So then you feel like there's just a massive reward there for you. And then just like walking around, just having like just a massive smile on your face. And then for me, obviously, it was like able to win a match at a slam was a huge milestone, was super sad that I knew like because as soon as the match finished, I knew I was not going to be able to get through another match because I kind of got hurt mid-match. And um, luckily, it was just was up a lot in the match at the time when it happened. So I was able to still finish the match off. But then, I would have liked to keep keep trying to play, but then I was like not really able to walk on my foot for for many months after. Um, so that part of it was kind of like sad, but I didn't really let it dampen the mood or anything because, like I said, I, it just still being there, I got a lot out of it and a lot of kind of just joy and motivation of just stuff that I'd kind of dreamed about, knew that I'd missed a lot of time and would wonder if I would have uh, opportunities like that. So then it just kind of like you realize that things can always turn for the better even when you're kind of fighting to get back on the court. It must have been a bit of a sliding doors moment where did you win it in a three sets, but a, a tiebreaker in the third. And then I you, did, you, you, yeah. you obviously know that you obviously know that your foot's no good. And then 
So you, I think you were playing a home mm-hmm. favorite as well, a, a British wild card. Yeah, and it was it was weird because it was like I was playing well, and then like after the second set, he went to change, so we had like a few minutes of bathroom break, and then when I stood up from that that changeover, I just wanted to second set six one, like I couldn't put weight on my foot, so I immediately like had to take longer. So I called it for the doctor and the trainer took it like a medical timeout or a timeout then to try to take some um, medicine. That part of it was tough. So then after the second, when I stood up, had like was feeling my foot again. And then um, I was kind of aware of it. I didn't really know what to think in that moment, other than I was just trying to just get through that match and that set. But then it's like, as the set was going on, we, we ended up having, uh, we got suspended at five all for darkness that night. I'd broken back. He was serving for the set and I broke back right before it got dark and then I was hoping that it would feel better because at the time it was like just something that would kind of come up and down in ways where I could sometimes like my foot was hurting worse than others. And then I was still hoping that, okay, maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll feel better. And then it was not. So then I was just like, I have to, at that time was, I have to win this set. Otherwise, like I knew that I was not going to be able to finish the match with any sort of quality or hope. I was just like, all right, I'm going to try to get through this tiebreaker. And I just wrapped up my, my foot that morning and had some set points in the tiebreaker. And then for me, like it all just happened quick where I like was able to reel off five points in a row. And then just like kind of just at that time, I felt just like a massive relief of joy and sadness. Cause then I just, I knew that I was probably not going to play for a little bit after that. And so then I was just, but at the time I was, I just need to enjoy this moment. Um, you know, cause it's, it's been, it hasn't, haven't had a grand slam main draw, uh, win. So then that's when I was just like, I'm probably not gonna be able to keep going, but I'm, I'm just going to enjoy this now. And then that was, that was pretty much what I did. Unreal. And so that must give you so much confidence, you know, mm-hmm. those three wins at Roehampton, you've done that twice now. And then mm-hmm. obviously the main draw win, that must give you a lot of confidence for what you can do next. And so what are the goals moving mm-hmm. forward with the singles ranking and the doubles ranking? To be honest, like I haven't really, um, like in terms of ranking goals, like I haven't really set one just because anytime I try to do that, I put pressure on myself that I have to do it. Otherwise, like I feel just like a massive, uh, like just like disappointment. And then sometimes I would force myself to play weeks that maybe I shouldn't have. So now I'm just like, I just want to, my goal is just to just try to get enough events and then know if I go into the events, like prepare that then I believe in myself and my results um, will will be better if I go in because I, I I feel like I'm playing well and hitting the ball well in practice and now it's just in terms of just getting enough events and then just just trying to see I'm not really looking at the doubles rankings or the singles rankings I know I can get into the challenges for a bit I haven't had to start using my protective rankings yet but I will here pretty soon and then after I use up all my singles protective rankings I was going to see where I was at then and then see where my doubles was and then reevaluate so that that's kind of like to be yeah i guess like that's where my mindset is now like no ranking goals but you once my nine singles protectives are used up i'm going to see where i'm at and i want to keep playing doubles up until then and then so if my doubles rankings higher and then um I will, I will maybe look to play bigger events and doubles but if it's not and i'm still playing challengers and obviously i will keep playing singles and doubles at both and then uh just kind of once, once that's finished up readjust my mindset you know it's, it certainly seems like a much more natural way to go about it which is just go out there do what you can do be in control of what you can control putting that unnecessary mm-hmm. pressure on on ranking and things like that i mean for some people I, I hear it works well it's like that tangible target that you can almost you almost touch it but then that doesn't work mm-hmm. the same way for everyone so you got to know what works for you and it lo- seems to be working well you've got had a couple of wins recently um over in spain so the season's off to a good start yeah definitely we're super happy to do it and then obviously when you 
especially in doubles when you get to win with good friends it makes it even better definitely uh it's it's been like i was super happy about that and feel like some of the the practice and preparations has, has paid off already and then uh hopefully can keep it keep it going and just enjoy just the practicing and the lifestyle and the routines of tournaments again that's kind of the main things i'm trying to concentrate on and yeah no that's uh, that's fair enough it must be tough being the um the i guess the finance manager the marketing manager the player the masseuse everything that comes with your own brand you've got to deal with that got to learn to adapt and just deal with the circumstances sometimes really appreciate not you at all on. hey thanks for talking look forward to keeping in touch too the first serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.